If she lose one piece, does not light a candle, sweep the house, seek diligently until she find it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently till she finds it. I'm going to throw you a curveball now, and I'm going to announce my title, and you're going to have to ride with me for a little while before it all ties together, probably. But my title tonight is Get Rid of the Nail. Get Rid of the Nail. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight. Can we do that, Lord? I love you. I thank you for your grace and mercy. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for God meeting with us in this place. Thank you for providing us the wherewithal that we could be in your house tonight and to feel your touch. God, I'm asking you tonight, Lord, that you would anoint my lips. God, let me speak only what you want said tonight. God, I pray that you would anoint each of our ears, God, mine included, that we could hear what thus saith the word of the Lord to the church. God, that you would open our hearts and minds. God, I pray, give us strength tonight to walk in your spirit, I pray. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I was praying last night, and as I was seeking the Lord, talking to him, he placed this story on my mind, and then he began to talk to me about some things, and so You'll let me, I, I don't know if I'm going to end up preaching or if I'm just going to be doing some old-fashioned teaching. I'm not sure how it's going to come about, but we'll see. We'll see what God has in store when we're all said and done. <clears throat> this woman that we read about in our text tonight, Jesus is telling a parable of a woman. And we know that the literal translation of this passage of Scripture is talking about a woman who had something and she lost it and she cleaned everything out and she found it and she rejoiced over finding it. But not only did she rejoice, but Jesus stated that the angels rejoice over one sinner that comes to repentance. Now, the story that we read here about this woman, it's talking about her house. I'm, I'm not going to get into the literal uh, translation of this, but I, I want you to understand that this woman wasn't just a ranked sinner off the street. She had, she was a, she was a bride. In fact, many scholars agree that this coin that she lost was a part of her dowry, which was paid to her at her wedding. And that she had been given 10 coins, Brother Tuffy. But over the course of life, she lost one of them. And in their eyes, if you lost part of the dowry, that was the equivalent of divorce or some would, would divorce over something like that because that shows whether she has been faithful or not in their eyes. And again, this is the opinions of, of scholars that, that study the Word of God and the opinions of uh, those who write different commentaries. But I will say this. When you think about that kind of thing, she was in the house. She had the ten coins. Now, Jesus didn't say that she literally lost it. She just realized that it was gone. 
she, the Bible says it was lost. It was, it, it was not in a place where she could easily find it. And I began to ask myself some questions, okay? So if she lost, if she lost a coin, the Bible does say she lost a coin, but did she misplace it? Did it get dropped somewhere? From what I've seen in my studies of this passage is that the dowry wasn't something that they, ha they handled very often. It was something they would put into a safe place so that it wouldn't be disturbed. So then I began to think along those lines. The coin had much value, but she lost it. Maybe she had just stored it away and gone back to check on it later and realized, oh my goodness, I only have nine now. Where is the tenth piece? How many of you guys have ever done that at home? You've had something and, man, I know I put everything right here. But for some reason, one of those pieces are gone. I know I had put it all here so that I could come back and I, I knew it would be here when I got back. That's it right there. It was gone. I, I put it somewhere else. That's right. And so she, thinking of that kind of scenario, I don't know how many times I'm working on something. Man, where did I lay my hammer this time? Man, what, what did I do? Uh, where, where, did I put, where did I put that wrench? I was working on my father-in-law's car. I'm like, man, I just had that wrench in my hand, like literally seconds ago. Where did that thing go? Was it that kind of scenario for this woman? It's understandable. Maybe the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus stated she lost a piece. She lit a candle. She turned the lights on. Okay? And she swept the house. And she sought through the house diligently. She had to clean some things up in the house. That's what Jesus said. So, was it this scenario? She had the coins. She had placed it in a safe place. And other things accumulated around it. Maybe jarring it and it being misplaced. Or maybe somebody grabbed a coin while they were grabbing something else from where that location was. I don't know. I'm, I'm just... I, I'm, I'm putting vivid pictures in your mind because I want, I'm going somewhere in just a few minutes, all right? I want you to think about what's going on with this woman. This stuff was valuable so much that she was stopping her entire world, cleaning the house, searching diligently until she found that coin. It meant that much to her. It had that much value in her life that she had to stop everything and say, I've got to find this right now. Not a day can go by until I find what I'm missing. She had to clean the house. Maybe it got cluttered. That's happened to me. I don't know how many times. You ask me to find something in my garage right now, I can promise you I'm not going to find anything in that garage until I just rummage through it and finally find what I'm looking for. Probably won't find it. Till I get all that stuff, stuff that we haven't used since we moved in, and so we're trying to figure out what are we going to do with it. But nonetheless, regardless of what situation she found herself in, she lost the coin. Something that was given to her of much value. There was an urgency in her heart. There was an urgency in her mind that blocked everything else out and said nothing else is important right now. I've got to find the coin. Everything's got to stop. I've got to find this thing. And I feel the Holy Ghost moving in right now. No matter what it takes, I've got to find it. No matter how long it takes, I've got to find it. I'm going to light up every corner in this house. I'm going to move every piece of furniture that I have in order to find what I'm missing right now. Because I've got to have it.
back where it belongs. The scripture teaches us that our bodies are the house or rather the temple of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. It is imperative, it is, it is of the utmost importance that we keep this particular house clean. It is given to us and we are the stewards of this house. I don't own this body. God entrusted this body to me. I wouldn't have my next breath if God didn't give me my next breath. I won't be able to wake up in the morning unless God gives me the ability and strength to get up out of the bed tomorrow morning. I wouldn't be able to walk. I wouldn't be able to talk. I wouldn't be able to do anything except God give me the ability to do those things. And he also, according to his word, has declared that he has paid a price for my life. And Romans chapter 8, I'll get to it later, but, but the scripture says, I beseech you, I'm begging you, the apostle Paul said, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's imperative that I keep this house clean. It's imperative that I take care of it. I want you to think, I am as responsible for this house that God has provided me as Joseph was for Potiphar's house and for his finances. And then ultimately, I am as responsible for this temple that God's given to me to take care of this thing. Amen. Until God either takes me out of here or he takes us into the rapture, whichever the case may be. But I am told according to scripture that I must take care of this temple. I've got to. It's a commandment of the Lord. Amen. You've heard me teach on holiness. You've heard me teach on these things. Amen. It's got to begin according to Romans chapter number 8. Uh, it's got to begin with the uh, transformation of my mind. It's got to begin here. Because I will promise you that 100% of your spiritual battles are going to be fought right here between these two ears. Not my ears. Your battle's going to be fought between your ears. You're going to have to stand up and be able to take care of this vessel. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> your vessel. When I'm talking about me, I, I hope you understand I'm implying you as well. You are responsible for the body that God gave you. And for the temple that God gave you. What? Know ye not that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. And you were bought with a price. Therefore we need to glorify God in your body. I'll stop right here and I'll say this is why we teach modestly clothed individuals. Why? Because, let me ask you something. When you're showing off what you think is beautiful on your body, who gets glory for that? I do. Somebody's going to pat me on the back. Man, you look great. Now, I promise you, you're not going to find this dude like that. <laughs> Whether I, but I want you to understand, I'm, I'm not good looking, I promise. But those who are scantily clothed, can I say it that way, they receive glory for that kind of dress. That's why we want to do our best to make sure that God receives glory from everything that we do, every way that we look. Can I get an amen? I want God to get glory. And even, who sees my thoughts? He does, but does anybody else? But I want my thoughts to glorify him. 
If somebody, the things that you dwell on, by the way, are the things you end up living outside of your body. Well, amen. Honestly, I, I thought this was going to go a lot more quick and a lot more powerful, but here I am teaching. I'm okay with that. I told Brother Mendez, my comfort zone is to pull back and just teach a little while. And I, I enjoy that. We want God's will to be done. Why is it so important that I keep this house clean? I'll submit to you. Because when he is at home, when he is at home, our bodies are the temple. Our, the temple has also been known as the house of God, right? We call this place the house of God. We are doing our best to make sure that it, it, it is at its best so that we have a nice place to come and worship the Lord. It's not about having the best of the best, but it is about have, doing the best with what God's entrusted to us. We are good stewards of the things that God's provided us with. But also we need to do that in our own bodies. We need to do that in our own lives. We should be sure that he feels at home in this house. When he is at home in this house, I can promise you, you will find joy in your life. I can promise you that fulfillment in your life will be had when he, as it is at home in this house. There should be no hindrances to him in this house. He should be able to go where he wants to in this house, and he should be able to say what he wants to in this house, and he should be able to invite what he wants to in this house. Can I get an amen? There should no, be no hindrances to God when it comes to this house. There should be some hindrance, however, to the other side of things. There should be restrictions for sin in my life. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to say that. I'm not listening to this. I'm not watching that. I'm not going there on the internet. I'm not going to do this with this person because I know that we're going to end up in a vile situation. I'm not trying to preach holier than thou. The Bible teaches harshly against those who saw themselves as holier than thou. But I'm trying to be like Jesus because he said to be holy because why? He is holy. I've got to be like him. And as I was, I was as when I finished my, my, my prayer last night, and I went to bed and I started, I was, my mind just running and running and thinking about what God had just showed me and talked to me about. And, and I'm going to get down to what I felt like God said. But remember, I titled this lesson, Get Rid of the Nail. How many of you wondered what in the world nail is he talking about? Well, if you didn't, I'm, I'm going to give you props. But I want you to understand, there's no nail in, in the story of the woman losing the coin. Nor was there any other nail in that whole situation. But this other story came to my mind. I heard it a long time ago, so I went to find it. And I found it. So just ride, ride with me for just a minute, all right? Just ride with me for a few moments. The nail. There was a small village where lived an old man who was known to be very wise and very clever. He owned a beautiful house that everyone in the village admired. And as he grew older, he decided that he should sell the house, but with one peculiar condition. He would tell each potential buyer that he would sell the house but would retain the rights to one specific nail that was hammered in one of the wooden beams in the living room. After some time, a young, people decide, a young couple decided to buy the house and 
agreeing to the old man's strange condition, thinking it to be harmless, they moved in and started their happy life in the beautiful home. The old man, meanwhile, would occasionally visit the house just to look at the mill, for he had every right. He wouldn't do anything else. He showed up. He would look at the mill. This happened for several months, and the couple didn't mind it as it seemed to be an eccentric but harmless habit. However, one day, the old man came with a rotten fish, and he hung it on the nail. The fish emitted a foul smell that filled the entire house. The couple tried to remove it, but the old man reminded them of the agreement that he held the rights to the nail and could hang whatever he wished upon the nail. Unable to bear the stench, the couple had to leave the windows open day and night, but it wasn't enough to get rid of the smell. The couple finally realized that the seemingly harmless condition in the art agreement had turned their beautiful home into an uninhabitable place. They tried to negotiate with the old man, but he insisted on exercising his right to use the nail as he pleased. This continued for several days, with the old man hanging various unsightly and smelly items upon the nail, and turning the lovely house into a place of filth, and stench. And in the end, the couple could no longer bear it. And they decided to sell the house back to the old man at a much lower price than they had initially bought it for. The nail. I submit to you that many of us in our life. We've given up everything that we know. We, we've, we've, we've said we've, we've devoted ourselves to the Lord. We've invited him into this house. Just ride with me for a few minutes. This is God's house. But we've told God this is yours, but I have a nail in that house that I can come and I can hang anything that I want to upon that nail. And before long, Brother Mendez, God says, you know what? This isn't my house. You've not given me everything. You've given me everything but you with me tonight. This was on my heart so strong and it's getting, this burden is, is, is wrenching my heart even more right now as I speak. I'm not saying any of us here are horrible people. But what I am saying is God is asking us to go through an open door. And the enemy has stepped into our lives but if you don't remember, I preached a message a few weeks ago that the enemy can only do what God allows him to do in our life. And God will only allow the enemy into our life for two reasons that I can think of. There may be a few more, but these two reasons stand out in my mind. The first reason is the scripture teaches us that God tries the material that our house is made out of. I preached about that that day. But the second reason that the Lord will allow the enemy into our life and to tempt us, God tempted no man. But the enemy comes in, he begins to poke at us and push on us. And many of us want to say, well, the devil's doing this to me and the devil's doing that to me. My question is to you, the enemy can't do anything to you unless 
he has an inroad into your life in some form or some fashion. Scripture tells us that we should not give place to the devil. He shouldn't have a place in our life. I, I preached about that recently as well. But this was eating me alive last night. And I began to think, you know that woman, she lost that, she lost that coin. And likely it was because of some nonchalant living. Just so comfortable with what she had going on in her life right then. That she didn't think about those coins for quite some time. That's right. And how many times do we do that with the Holy Ghost? I know I'm going slow. Man, I was hoping to be pumping and priming right about now. That's not what God wanted tonight. God's got the gears turning in our heads today. He's got us thinking. Hey, I, I want to be the first in your life. Remember, that's what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He longs to be the first thing that we go to. But we got a few nails in our lives. That we said, okay, God, we want you to do everything you want in our lives, but I'm going to hold on to this. And I'm going to hold on to this. And I'm going to, you know what, I really like this over here, and it really doesn't hurt anybody, but I'm going to hold on to this too. That way, anytime that I want to, I can come and I can put something on that nail, and I can hang something on this nail. Or, you with me tonight? But that old man who, who came in, he said, look, man, I went and got this catfish, and I forgot to put it in the freezer. And it stinks bad. I need some place to let it go air out. Let me tell you something. Sin is just like that fish that that old man brung and hung up on that nail in that house. And in that couple's heart, in that couple's mind, in that couple's life, the thing of beauty. Look, the Holy Ghost is a beautiful thing. It's a beauty to have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. But how many times do we let those old rotten fish hang from the nail in our, in our lives and we expect Jesus to live in that same house with that rotten, smelly, nasty fish hanging on the wall? Say, how do I do that? What is that like? Like, I understand the analogy that you're making, but let me ask you some things. What is hanging on the nail in your life? Consider this with me. Is it unbelief? Did you know the scripture calls unbelief an evil heart of unbelief? It's evil unto God. It smells in the nostrils of the Lord. Unbelief. What do you mean, Pastor? I believe that God... I, I, I put my faith in God. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. Yes. But the enemy likes to do his best to weasel in there and get you to questioning this and questioning that. And, and man, does the word of God really mean what it says in that one passage of scripture? There's no way. It, it makes my life too uncomfortable. God doesn't want me to be uncomfortable. Well, if there's sin in your life, and you've gotten comfortable with sin, then yes, God wants to make you uncomfortable. You with me tonight? You leaving the sin in your life. Everybody's looking at me with a blank stare. I'm sorry, this is what God gave me. You leaving the sin in your life, maybe this is something you need to hold on to for later down the road or something, I don't know. But here we are tonight, all right? This is what God spoke to my heart last night, and this is what I got. I got nothing else. Unbelief. Hebrews 3 and 12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. 
I didn't say a lack of faith. You can have faith, but unbelief can override that little bit of faith that you've got. The scripture says <laughs> that God can have you give you mercy for your unbelief. Did you know that? Think about the young man, the, the, the father that came to Jesus and he said, hey, I brought my son to your disciples and I asked him to deliver him from, from this, this, this demon that torments him. It casts him into the fire often and, and all of this. And he said, your, your, your disciples have been praying for him and they've, they've been, been trying to exercise this boy for, for quite some time, but, but he cannot seem to get over and be delivered from this devil. So the father comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you help me? I want to see my son free of this torment that he's going through. Brother Tuffy, you remember what Jesus asked him that day? He said, if you believe, it can be done. And the father looks at him and he says, Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. Help me. I may be struggling with some doubt, God. And you know what, Brother Darren? Jesus looked at that young boy, and he exercised that boy, and that boy was freed and delivered from that devil because a father was willing to say, hey, I believe that you can do it, but I'm, I'm struggling with some doubt and some unbelief. And he was willing to admit it to the Lord. And the Lord said, oh, that's all I need. I just need to know that you believe me. I just need to know that you believe me. I'll help you overcome the rest of that unbelief. But I just need to know, do you have a little of, of faith in your heart right here and right now? And if you're willing to tell the Lord, hey, I've got faith that you can help me in this situation. But God, I do have some doubts. I believe that God can look down at your situation and help you. You know why? Because God knows the only way to get you over those doubts and that unbelief that you have, amen, is, and that is to say, all right, I've got a little faith now. Amen, I'm going to answer the prayer because that's going to help him overcome the unbelief. You with me tonight? Amen. He said, when you have need of anything and you go to the Father and you ask him anything in his name, Jesus said, the Father shall do it. Amen. If you ask in his name and you believe. You know, there's times that I am praying to the Lord and I'm asking for help in situations and I ask him, God, I need you to help me. I need you to step in a situation. And I'm wondering, God, I don't know. I'm thinking logically about this whole situation and this is going to have to happen and this is going to have to happen and, and God, I don't know if you can mess, I don't know if you can deal with that situation over there and, and I got these thoughts in my mind and I'm constantly working through the logistics of how God's going to perform what I'm asking him to perform and, and finally, I tell you, every time that God's answered a prayer of mine, it's been because I said, God, regardless of how hard I think it might be, God, I know that you are more than able to step into this situation and you perform as only that you can because, God, when it looks impossible to me, guess who gets glory for, for the provision of this prayer? God does. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I don't care. Don't let the enemy beat over your head. Don't let that don't let that old rotten carcass of unbelief be hanging upon that nail in the house. My friend, it's time to go into the house and take that old rotten thing off the wall. But let me tell you something. There's something else you've got to do other than just take that old rotten thing off the wall. You need to go get a hammer with some claws on it and you need to go over to that 
that, that old nail that you've been hanging stuff up on and you need to pry that baby out of the wall and you need to get rid of that thing. You need to cast it out of the house as far as you possibly can. You, want, uh, you know why? Because you want Jesus to know, hey, this house is yours. I don't owe even one square inch in this house. Everything in this temple is yours, God. Everything that you want to do in my life, God, I want you to perform it. Even if I don't understand the, under, the reason why, but God, I trust you enough that I'm giving you my everything, even though I may struggle with a bit of unbelief. But God, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. I'm not going to allow that thing to abide in my house anymore. I'm taking it. I'm getting rid of it. Maybe it's not unbelief that you're dealing with. Maybe it's pride. Pastor, I don't have anything to be proud of. That's all right. All right. You know, think of a man. Pride creeps into our lives in different situations in different ways. Think about Saul. Samuel looked at Saul and he said, Saul, God chose you to be king when? When you were little in your own eyes. Let me tell you something. Just a couple days ago, I told God, I said, God, I don't care if you've got to take everything that I own. I don't care if I've got to go back to eating just tuna and, and saltine crackers for lunch and dinner. That's okay with me. As long as my soul is saved and as long as my family is saved, God help me. Help me to maintain a, a, a meek and an humble spirit because my Bible still tells me that one way that I'm going to find myself separated from the Lord, Proverbs 16 and 18, but pride goes before destruction. And an haughty spirit before a fall. It don't even have to do with riches, my friend. Brother Tuffy, I've been in church all my life. And I've seen a lot of different people. And I've seen how they responded, Donnie, to the, the things of God. And I, I've seen God come into their life. And I've seen God change their life completely. And I've watched them come off the streets and completely riddled their arms, completely riddled with uh, uh, track marks and, and, and their breath constantly smelling like alcohol on a regular basis. And, and, and they, they're constantly out there smoking their weed. And, and, and they're constantly out there lost out of their mind because that's where they feel most comfortable. But Brother Tuffy, I've watched God bring them in off the street and I've watched him fill them with the Holy Ghost and deliver them from all of that. Give them a good job. Put them in a nice house. And all of a sudden, for some reason, they forget who they used to be. And they become so lifted up in themselves. I'm not talking, I don't feel like that's any of our issue right now, but I'm just telling you, watch and see what I'm telling you. Because the enemy will walk in and, and, and you'll begin to think thoughts when you come across somebody on the street. And you're going to say, my goodness, I'm glad I'm not like they are anymore. Instead of compassion welling up in your heart and saying, my God, that's who I used to be. Let me go find them. Let me go talk to them and let, me know, let them know, hey, I used to be where you are, my friend. And God reached down and helped me. And he gave me peace. I don't know if you can't but tell, but this is eating me alive tonight. You've got to understand that God is able to help us. But if we're not too careful, we're going to let pride rise up inside of us. And no, it's not going to be drugs and alcohol and, 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 and illicit relationships that take us to hell. It's just going to be a haughty spirit to, that takes us straight into the pits of hell, sitting on a church pew. We've got to understand, I'm not better than anybody else. I, I, I don't have, I, I don't, 
for one moment, God can snap his fingers and everything that I have and everything that I am today can be gone in an instant. Why? Because my spirit got to be wrong. Amen. I, you know what? I'd rather see somebody that wasn't lifted up and that, that, that was out there on the streets because I can almost help them a little bit easier than walking up to somebody and saying, hey, buddy, your spirit's wrong. You need, to, you need to go back to an altar and spend some time talking to the Lord. Look, I'm not past doing it. I'll go I'll tell somebody. I've been there myself. My dad's not the only one that's grabbed my arm and said, boy, it's time. We're going to go find us a place to pray tonight until you pray through. We've got to get your spirit right. I've had preachers preach to me from the pulpit. Let me tell you something. I, I, I want us to be careful. I don't know. I'm almost done, I really am. But I know what I feel in my spirit right now and I'm dealing with a situation and maybe it's just a spirit that I'm dealing with. Maybe it's not an individual in this sanctuary, but let me tell you something. Typically, when I'm dealing with something like this, somebody's latched onto something somehow, some way, and, and I'm just trying to help them understand. Maybe it's somebody listening online. I don't know who you are that I'm talking to tonight, but I'm telling you, you've got to allow yourself to go into the house that God has allowed you to clean up and get all the junk of sin out of your life, and, and he's helped you clean yourself up, but you have allowed yourself to leave one nail in a wall somewhere so that you can go back and you can put the things that you love. Amen. You said, Pastor, it's, not, it's, it's harmless. It's not going to hurt anything. But let me tell you something. Amen. If you're driving God out of your life from the stench of sin that may be in your life, amen, just from one little nail, Come on, is it really that worth it to you to hold on to those things? And, and I don't know what I'm talking about in your life. All I can tell you is God's been dealing with somebody and somebody's saying, hey, wait a minute, God, it's not that bad. It's not a big deal. It's not that hard of a, it's not that big of an issue. God, I, I, I'm not willing to get rid of these things, but here I am. <sighs> Dreaming about these things last night, Waking up this morning is all I could think of while I was working. And I, I sat down and I'm asking God, let me change the direction of what this service is going to be. And, and here I am and I feel such a burden in my heart. Maybe it's unbelief. Maybe it's some pride. Or maybe it's just a small little sin that you convinced yourself is not really a sin. I could very simply just tell you if God's asked you to change something and he has begun revealing in your heart and your mind and making you feel like, hey, this is probably something I shouldn't do. Then guess what? You fall under the scripture that says, to him that doeth knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. Why? You got to understand when the when the when the Holy Ghost quickens your spirit, and then not only that, he takes you to the Word of God, and you may be reading one day, and he'll be saying, "Hey, this is what I'm talking about. You've done it. You've done it to me. I don't know how many times. I know in the past five years." God's worked on my heart and my mind. You can ask my family. We've had some, made some changes. We've, we've switched around some things that we, we just don't do anymore. Why? Is it because it's a, it's a death, deathly sin? No. But it was a deterrent from our walk with God. And we decided, hey, you know what? We can do without that as long as we can make heaven our home. Did we struggle with it every once in a while? Yeah. Some days I, I'm not going to get down and name all the things that God's dealt with me about it, but I just want you to understand there are some days, Sister Cecilia, that, that, that I want to I, I wanna just, you know, it's, it's harmless. It, it's not a big deal, but you know what? You know, it, it's just, it passes time. And you know what? I, and then the other night I was sitting at the house and I, and, and I wasn't doing any of the stuff that he showed me before. But you know what? He began to deal with me about some things and he said, you know, 
I was listening to a preacher preach on, and, and I've been listening to some old, uh, old messages from way back in 2001. And I've only made it through a series of six services halfway through it. Why? Because I, the preacher was preaching and God stirred my heart. And I got to stop it. And I got to study in the word of God. God, this is what you're telling me right now. This is what you're dealing with me right now. This is what, this is what you're trying to show us right now. Let me tell you, if, I, if, if we could get a hold of what I'm talking about, getting rid of the nail in the house, if we can get rid of the nail somehow, some way, and we can devote ourselves to the Lord, guess what's going to happen? The rivers of living water are going to begin to flow again. You know why we haven't seen a breakthrough? God showed me this the other night. You know why we haven't seen a breakthrough? Like, like it's there. We feel it. We feel it drawing us. We've been talking about it for a few months now. I've told you, it's here. You know why we ain't seeing it yet? But Because too many of us in the church right now, this church, not other churches, this church, we have, we have a few nails in our houses, in our temple, that we have refused to not only just take what's on the nail, and get rid of it, but we've refused to remove the nail itself and give our temple completely to the Lord. You with me today? God can only take us to the next level. When mama, we talk about revival, revival, you got the church, the church is the bride of Christ. She is the mother of revival, right? In order for her to give birth She's got to be in a sterile environment. The day that Zion travailed is when she brought forth her children. So what does all this have to do with us today? It's simply this. Just like the woman, she said, you know what, I've lost a coin. Don't know where it's at. In fact, I haven't seen the coins in a while now. Just ride with me. I, I know this is my imagination, but just ride with me. I've got to find that coin now. Because I've got to have the complete set of what I was given. I can't just have a partial. I'm not settling with the old man to have a nail in my house. I'll pay extra for the house. For him to remove that nail and to take it somewhere else. I don't care what it takes in my life. God, I want the nails removed from my heart. I don't want those, those nasty situations clogging up my heart so that you can't come and be at home in my life. I want the Holy Ghost to feel at home right here. Camden, I need the Holy Ghost to be at home in this house. And I'm not saying we're a bunch of sinners. I'm just telling you God is asking and God is dealing with us. God's dealing with me to take some, some more time in consecration. Guess what? Don't know when I'm going to find this time, but I told God, I don't care. If I've got to cut work down, that's what I'll do. But I'm going to spend more time and in, in seek in his face. Sister, Sister Tori, can you come? Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 9 says, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that called you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You say, well, that nail, it just takes a small fraction of my life. but just a little bit of leaven in a lump of flour causes it to grow and expand. 
I can't afford to have a little leaven. I can't afford to have a little nail in my house. I can't afford to have just a fraction of my life to myself and the rest of it can be God's. You know, maybe somebody's going to get mad at me for saying this, but the God that I know, Brother Tuffy, he's an all or nothing kind of God. In fact, I don't know how many times the scripture calls him a consuming fire. The Bible calls him a jealous God. As I'm trying to close tonight, can I just say that the enemy wants to do his best to keep an inroad into your life and into your temple? If he got, if he has just one, even just one nail in your life that he can work with, that you've left open to him, this is a decision that you have to make. Again, maybe I'm not talking to anybody here. All I can say is, I know what I feel in my heart. I know what I feel in my spirit tonight. Everything belongs to God. That's how some of us feel, except for one thing. I'll go to church, but only when it's convenient. I'll pray, but only when I have time. I'll read my Bible only when I'm not doing other things that entertain me. I'll witness to somebody only when God says, I need to go talk to that person. Honey, he gave you everything he needed. you needed to witness to somebody when he gave you the Holy Ghost. But after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power to become witnesses. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you have what it takes to witness to others. You shouldn't be waiting on whether or not God, Why I don't know why I'm saying this. You shouldn't wait on God saying, hey, go talk to that person or, or somebody, you just feel this little nudge, I'm going to go talk to this. No, it should be inside of us saying, hey, I'm going to befriend this individual. I'm going to work with this person, not because I have some ulterior motives, but because I love people. And I love God. And I thank Him for what He's done in my life. And so I'm going to reach out to somebody else. I'm going to work with somebody else. One of the things the elder said in my mind, as I was listening to the scripture, to, to him preach, he said this. He said one year, Brother Mendez, he said one year he was, he was at church. And he was praying. And God, God prompted him and said, hey. He, 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 was, he was a preacher. I'm going to mix it all up. But he, he just simply said, I felt impressed that we really needed to reach out to these people. And I never know, knew who it was that kind of instituted this thing called one a day invite a man. You've heard me talk about it. One a day invite a man. Simply take a church card. One church card a day and one church card a day to somebody. Leave it somewhere at a restaurant. Leave it for your waitress, waiter. Leave it at the gas pump. Do something with the one card. He said he started emphasizing that. And Brother Mendez, he said in that message, he said from the time that we started to this day, that was 2001, he said we have yet to not baptize somebody on a Sunday. We've baptized somebody with, and seen people get the Holy Ghost every single Sunday since we started that. What are you trying to do, Pastor? I'm just trying to help encourage you. Hey, I got cards. But what I'm telling you, if, if you get the revelation of what I'm talking about, I don't have enough cards. The elder said he went to his secretary after the first week of doing it, and he told her, order 50,000 church business cards. And in 2001, he said we have given... This is their third, they're on their third round of 50,000 business cards. He said, he, he went, he went to a, uh, he, you know, one of the people in his church came to him and said, Pastor, I, no, it was the lady actually. She came and got the Holy Ghost, got, got baptized in Jesus' name and she's living for God today. But she was at the Walmart back when there was actual people scanning your stuff, not self-service stuff. And one of the people in his church 
reached over and said, ma'am, I really feel like I need to give you this card. That was all she was doing. I want to give you this card. And that woman stopped scanning all the items and she said, what is going on? And the lady was like, I don't know. What do you mean? What is going on? You've got to tell me. What is happening? She said, today, today, you're the 14th person that's given me that exact same card. She said, 13 other folks just today have come by and given me a church card. Because the people caught the vision. Now we're kind of shifting modes, but I want you to understand. You know how to not worry about situations in life most of the time? Is to be busy about the Father's business. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You don't have to worry about the things. Just worry about the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus today. I'm going to reach out to somebody and let them know, hey, Jesus still saves. He saved my soul. You with me tonight? Romans chapter 12. Told you we were going to get here tonight. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse number 2, and be not conformed. Don't be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. And where does the transformation begin? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will Child of God, can I just give you a quick little tip? You want to know whether you're in the perfect will of God or not? Really simply this. Is God still working on your heart? Is God still challenging your spirit? Is the things in your mind being transformed by the Holy Ghost still to this day? And if those things are happening, honey, you're in the will of God. And you know what a byproduct of all of those things is? Is you're going to get up and you're going to say, man, I've got to tell somebody. Somebody's got to know about what's happening in my life. God still answers prayers. God still heals broken bones. God still heals COVID. Let me tell you, COVID's coming around again. But I still serve a God who heals COVID. I still serve a God who heals the flu. You know, I, I serve a God. And I'm trying to wrap up. I promise it's not going to be much longer. I want you to consider this. I was talking to Brother Jason about this. We were driving down to Napa and Pleasanton a few weeks, months, a couple months ago, probably June. So it's been a few months. And I remember, Brother Mendez, I'm trying to be, i got to be quick. But I want you to consider this with me. I want to testify to what God's done. My pastor, one night, got up and preached about faith. And he talked about how this little old lady, back in the day, she's a widow woman. She had an old beat up car and she hadn't been able to make it to church because the car was broke down and she got up one morning she said I'm going to church she walked outside to her car that's been broken down Don and she laid her hands on the car and she said Jesus I want to be in your house today. God, I don't know what's wrong with this car. But I know one thing is you can touch this car and at least let me get to the house of the Lord today. She 
finished praying. She sat in the driver's seat, stuck the key in the ignition, and it fired up. She drove to church. <laughs> they had service. She got one of the men that she knew was, knew was mechanically inclined, and she said, hey, can you come out here and see what's going on with my car? She went out there, and she had already tried to start. It won't start now. She walked outside. He walked outside. He told her how to open the hood, and she popped it for him, and he raised the hood. This isn't my story, folks. This is somebody else's. I, I don't know where he got this story from. Supposedly, it was a real deal what he told me so I, I'm just going off of a man that I trust highly alright and that young man as soon as he opened the hood Brother Tuffy there wasn't a motor in that car but she drove it to church anybody believe God can do stuff like that my <laughs> brother brother Nelson he said because I told him pastor told that story one time he said, he said, man, them, them angels, God sent some angels to push that car to church. I said, yeah, evidently they were making engine noises too because it was driving down the road. She made it to church. God did it. But Brother Tuffy, my story don't stop there. My dad, have I told you this story before? I, I told you, Brother Mendez. I don't know how old I was, 9, 10, maybe 12, somewhere in that range, from 10 to 12, somewhere. My family wasn't rich, still isn't rich. But my dad, we only had one van, and that's what my dad had to take to and from work. Somehow that thing got off timing, and dad didn't have money to take it to a mechanic to fix the timing. Anybody that's messed with timing, you know how much of a headache that stuff is. Got to get everything lined up just right and hope it don't slip. Well, that night, he had worked, I don't know, it was 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I was out there with my dad. It was, it was obviously not school time. Otherwise, he'd make me go to bed. Maybe it was a Sunday night even. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't care doesn't matter. Dad got it all put together. Worked his hardest to make sure it worked. Put it all back together, got in the car, and started the car up. Fired. Brother, that thing was shaking hard. The whole motor just shaking the whole car. Remember it like it was yesterday. And it was vibrating. Dad just put his hands and his, his face in his palm and he's shaking his head. It died. It started again. Finally, it stayed running. Still running real bad rough. Real rough. You know, best thing to do about that, right, is just put the floor, pedal to the floor and hope it all works out, right? Well, <laughs> that's how we did it, right? That's what my dad did. He's like, I... Brandon, I'm going to try this. It's shaking like crazy. You've been to the church there in Olathe, where my, you know where my parents live. You go up to the stop sign, you take a left, and then he decided to go north on the 7 Highway. We made it all the way to that exit ramp and barely turned on the exit ramp, and all of a sudden it just conked out and just died. He tried to crank it, tried to crank it, wouldn't start. I don't know if it was a Sunday night. I just know it was recent to that message my father-in-law preached about that car. I'm in the passenger seat. My dad's in the driver's seat. My dad looks at me. He says, son, you remember what pastor preached? He's crying. He's, he's frustrated. You know, he's upset. He's got to get to work somehow tomorrow. He said, you know what? We're going to pray. So me and my dad, 
right there on the side of the road, we start praying. And believe it or not, Holy Ghost swept into that vehicle. And we both started talking in tongues in that little car. And after God got finished working on us, my dad looks at me through teary eyes. He said, well, that was nice. <laughs> he said, now let's see what God did for this car. He reached up, turned the ignition forward, and that car fired up. It ran as smooth as a brand new vehicle. No shimmy. No shaking. And guess what he did? <laughs> he put it in gear. He floored that thing. He goes, I'm going to try it for all she's worth. I think we're at nearly 100 mile an hour by the time we got to the next exit ramp. Both of us looked at each other. I'm expecting this thing to die any minute. Dad, Dad's telling me, Brandon, God did it. Oh, God did it. Woo, God did it. And we're, we're rejoicing. We're excited. And we got back to the house. We got out of the car, the van, and we just began to worship the Lord. Just tell him, thank you, Lord. Look, God's good. And I don't care. Man, I hope I'm helping somebody tonight because I hope you understand. I don't care how as ridiculous as it may seem. You may know that this thing ain't got a motor in it. There's no way it's going to work. But a little bit of prayer and a little bit of faith. Reaching out to an almighty God. He can reach down. And you know what? When he gave that car away, Three years later, it was still running. And all he had done was change oil. Never again had we had to change the, fix the timing or anything like that. God was good. I must be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I must get rid of the nail. I refuse to allow unbelief in my heart. I'm going to put all my faith in God. Hebrews says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, verse 6 said, it is impossible to please God. Jeremiah tells us, And if you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all of your heart, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23 says it this way. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. It's got to be the most valuable part of your life. And Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them that are the called according to his purpose. I know God has a purpose for my life. Let me ask you a simple question as we stand tonight. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to go into that spiritual temple that is the Lord's? And are you willing to remove the nail, whatever